another awesome episode of Behind the Scene Podcast. Today, I'm super excited with our next guest, Luke and Jen Ritchie from Gravity Jack. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Right on. Well, it was really cool because I saw a post on LinkedIn about some fun stuff that Gravity Jack was doing. It reminded me, we haven't had Gravity Jack on the show. (laughs) So here we are. Yep. I love it. Spokane natives. I know. It's crazy. Um, it's, you know, as when I started getting into the digital, uh, scope of work in Spokane, Gravity Jack was just already, you were just getting started, I think, and we'll deep dive into that and I'm excited about it, but it was always in the background because you were on a whole different level. And here I was on the internet marketing and you were on the internet building awesome stuff. I never understood it. I've understood it a lot in the last you know, a few years. And so I'm super excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, why don't you introduce yourselves? Is, is, go for it. Ladies first. <laughs> so Jen Ritchie, Chief Strategy Officer of Gravity Jack. I've been with the company since inception. I am not necessarily Spokane native, originally from Southern California, but I've been here for t- oh, geez, 20 22 years now? You're Spokane. So I am. I've, I've now been in Spokane, lived in Spokane longer than I didn't. So I crossed that, that halfway mark. You're so. not supposed to admit that, that around here. Why? The California part. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, but here 22 years. I feel like I earned it, right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I was originally um, going to be an attorney and met Luke when I was getting my, my BS prior to going to law school and then moved up to, to Spokane. Wow. Yeah, and then he got swooped into the tech realm, and uh, you know, being an attorney just flittered away. That's super cool. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Hit it, Luke. Uh, Luke Ritchie, uh, Chief Visionary Officer of Gravity Jack, and uh, <clears throat> it was actually her idea to start the company. We were coming off a acquisition from a gaming company, and they, uh, um, I started telling her, "Hey, this technology is coming," and uh, yeah, and so she's like, "Hey, let's patent that." Um, so yeah, she's actually the reason we make money. Uh, awesome. I'm the one, I'm the, I like the R and D and the spending. So you literally have in-house counsel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see. You need to listen to that. <laughs> That's awesome. So just maybe as a couple, tell us your story. How did, how did it all come together? What, what brought up your, your relationship to Gravity Jack? Well, he said that as far as, you know, it was my idea to start it. He, I have to give him some kudos though. So over the, we've been married 20, this will be 21 years. Congratulations. And like, Thank you. And so over the years, you know, he'd talk to me about some tech that's going to happen. And, and then like a year or two later, you know, you'd open up Visual Studio Magazine, which is a super old school tech magazine. And he'd point to it. See that thing? See that thing? That's what I was telling you about X number of years ago. And I thought, huh. You know, stuck a pin in it and it happened again. And it happened again. So then when he would start telling me about upcoming things, it had a lot more weight. It was more of like, okay, this thing is going to come, be on the lookout for it. And then when he started talking about augmented reality, so for context, the App Store came out, smartphones came out, App Store came out in 2008. So he starts going, these things, these things are going to be obsolete. We're not even going to be looking through these screens. And I'm thinking, I think it's pretty cool. Like This is like the new thing that just came out. And he's like, we're not going to be looking through screens. You know, we're going to have glasses on our heads, faces and we'll we'll see things with augmented reality and da, da 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 and he's saying all this stuff and I thought okay that's it this is let's push pause for a second let's actually talk to some attorneys let's get this stuff patented and let's let's build a company around it and he's like yeah 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 I wanted to move past it and I was like no babe this 
this thing where this is early, early on. And so that's, that's what we ended up doing was, wow. was getting some patents. So our, we've got uh, some of our patents around augmented reality that go back to 20, 2009, 9, 10, 11 is really where the sweet spot is for. That's cool. Yeah. And I've always been an entrepreneur. I think uh, it's actually, I used to tell people on the school bus, that's what I was going to be. Uh, and I remember when some kid, well, can you spell it? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I remember going home and learning to spell entrepreneur. Um, got a subscription to Fortune magazine when I was 11, started just reading biographies of businessmen. And uh, yeah, I wasn't very good at first because we kind of came out of poverty. So there wasn't really anybody teaching me. So I have, you know, a number of failures under my belt too. But I really feel like those taught me as much as any successes did. That's super cool. Uh, I started coding when I was 14. Um, I had software being used by NASA at age 18, 19. And it was, it was just an interesting path to be on. So I've, I've kind of always been in software and it's a blessing and a curse because you kind of see what's coming. I mean, it's an inevitability. It's not really any genius. You're just like, hey, this has to happen. And she's like, hey, let's patent that. Like, I love it. Cool. So patent what? So the, the method of, te- of, aug- of viewing augmented reality, it. it's more of there's techniques in order to, for, for augmented realities to work. So it's those methods and techniques that uh, we, that's where our patents really lie. Gotcha. Like in order to make X happen, you have to do these items here. And through, through your technology exactly. or through your. Through our IP, through IP. our patents. Like, yeah, yeah, the methods. I mean, actually there's Snapchat literally copy and pasted some of our, our patent language. And so the attorneys are going after them too, but. It's uh, good. Yeah. Um, you talked about coming out of poverty. Care to deep dive a little bit? Yeah, no, I love that part. I mean, it's actually where my heart is now is actually to help. How can you solve that, like, systemically, generationally? Um, but we had we had periods of time where we didn't eat, um, and we got really familiar with pancakes. Uh, I think there was a six-week period, and I remember running out of syrup, and my mom, like, like dusting it with, like, powdered sugar. She's like, well, look. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, powdered sugar. Uh, but it's, wow. it definitely had an effect. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's where you, what you do with that, but I lo- well, I, here's what I'll do with it. I'll tell you my side of it. Yeah. So, um, I didn't come from poverty, but I've been in poverty. Um, and I think you probably have a different perspective on it from your story, but, but to me, I learned that my idea of poverty is very American. <laughs> um, we didn't, end up in a suffering like a suffer fest or anything like that we did lose everything which has shaped who we are today as Mm -hmm. a family and i look back and i'm thankful it happened it's the best thing that ever happened to my family absolutely because now on the other side of it we we live differently and we look at people with um i'm using heavy air quotes for people listening with less in a totally different light because it isn't about what you have. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, it's, it's a uh, molding um, thing that it would be good if everybody got to experience. Yeah. Sad to say, yeah. I can't believe I just said that on, no. <laughs> on a podcast. I think it's actually, it's totally accurate. I mean, we live in this country where we have no idea how blessed we are. And, yeah. you know, Jen and I have traveled the world. We were in Cuba under Castro. I mean, we've seen, like we've seen the roughest of the rough and it's, it's just phenomenal. What we think is rough here isn't. Uh, and that's how I always kind of looked at it. Like somebody has got it worse than me. Oh, for sure. And so, you know, you're blessed. But on this side of it, every problem can be fixed. 
Absolutely. There's a way forward mm-hmm. and it, and it's, you'll hear it, this whole podcast, there's a theme of create your own luck, mm-hmm. um, opportunity. You have to get it. Um, it doesn't come to you. And so I think that's just the, the little, it's like you said, you want to be an entrepreneur from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I did. And I definitely didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I actually, I'd have to say I'm really not. I'm just, a, I'm just good at business. You know, like I, I have, I have different ambitions, so I don't know. I guess I'm an entrepreneur. I was like, that still makes yeah, you an entrepreneur. That, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was also just because I was kind of a weird kid. And I, uh, even when I get a job, I can rarely keep it um, just because, oh, I'd be up all night working or reading. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think it, I inevitably had to be, even though it was my initial childhood dream, there was no other option. Um, so like when you're reading the Fortune 500s, uh, the stories, did you ever dream you'd be in Fortune 500? Mag- or Fortune oh, magazine, absolutely, yeah. Because you did, yeah. And I remember, I, I remember uh, <laughs> just uh, learning to read a balance sheet, learning to read a profit and loss. Uh, those those things that you know, and I I literally would order them. So I pretended to be a stockbroker when I was twelve, and I started ordering all this information. So the companies would send me their annual reports, and I'm like, how do I read this? But then you started to see a theme, you started to see numbers and uh, make sense of them. So it's just interesting. I mean, I told you I was a weird kid. Nobody would have hired me. <laughs> I would have liked you. <laughs> well, you don't need to be hired. Yep. You don't need exactly. to be hired. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, anyway, we got to come back on and talk about this in <laughs> thorough detail because I don't want to miss any part of Gravity Jack, but that's definitely a topic we should go mm-hmm. go on. I think, and you'd be awesome to chat about with it on, yeah, on another to. podcast. Yeah, it's cool. There's, a, I think there's a lot of value that could come to people that haven't been through that hardship just from people that have. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's easier than writing a book to just talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, um, so the business journey, Gravity Jack starts. What was that like? Like you came up with, let's patent this, let's go. When was it a brand? How did that kind of manifest? I'll go first. Okay. It was incredibly rough. <clears throat> Because you're telling people about something that they can't even visualize. And at first, we didn't even have like a demo. So you're literally sitting there, hey, you're going to stare through your phone someday, and someday it'll be glasses. And you'll look through these glasses, and you'll see digital content in the real world. And everybody literally just, in fact, one of your guests, I won't name names, actually called us crazy. That's Uh, funny. He's like, yeah, that's never going to happen in our lifetime. I'm like, yeah, it will. Trust me. (laughs) Well, there was an event early on with an angel group. There was... 100 plus people in the audience, you know, and we're talking about it. And I, I was on stage talking about Gravity Jack, what it is, the future of augmented reality. And then, it, you know, when you're speaking to a group of people, you kind of need to pulse the audience. Yeah. Like, how many of you have heard of this? You know, so how many of you know what augmented reality is? And no one. Like, one hand wiggled to the top. And I thought, well, I raised my hand. Was that just yeah. you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, but you can't let that show on your mm-hmm. face. And I'm like, yeah, how about every, who has a smartphone here? Because again, 2009, it's early right. on, you know, 20% of the audience, which the deck I was getting ready to go over and the presentation I was getting, getting ready to go over was all there, was really speaking more to people who at least knew what a smart, you know, utilize the smartphone. So it was just this onstage pivot of like, all right, we're going to change this up a little bit. You know, we need to, to try to teach them of what's coming. So that's crazy. Yeah. So to put this in perspective from, the people that did know what a smartphone was in 2009, I owned an Android, it was a Motorola, Motorola Android X. 
and it had a mm-hmm. screen that slid up and it had a keyboard. Oh yeah. He had that when we met. Yeah. And now they're expensive on eBay and I can't own one. <laughs> Why a would you want to? I just put it on my shelf. Oh. That's like where it all started. We might have one in our old closet there. Seriously? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh man. I save all my mementos. First things I save my old, my first camera, my first GoPro. I don't know. That's where it all started. I'm weird like that. We're all weird. Um, but to put this in perspective, so in 2010, Twitter became an app and that would have been right around iPhone 4S, I believe. And I had heard about augmented reality, but blew it off because I was trying to figure out how to use a smartphone. And I think the most fascinating thing was um, that people could actually take creative photos with an iPhone. Mm -hmm. I think, and I own an Android, other people own an iPhone 4, and my photos have come out almost grayscale or like sepia. Uh, It wasn't good, and there was no way to edit it. They didn't have apps or anything like that to edit it. And then my friends would be using an iPhone 4, and they were colorful, so Apple had figured it out. However, my Android was shooting 12 megapixels, and theirs was like, four it wasn't good um but they were only using it for the internet apple had already figured that out so mm-hmm. it was pretty cool but we were limited you couldn't share um photos from your phone at that time and cell service was sketchy 3g maybe mm-hmm. weird and then you're talking about augmented reality with seeing it through goggles yeah <laughs> that i think maybe the first five years was just straight evangelism just telling people, hey, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. In fact, I don't think anybody really believed us until the Google Glass got announced. Uh, Interesting. And, and even then, that wasn't even AR. It was yeah. heads-up display. And yeah, very, that's right. And poorly done. So, But we're like, yeah, it still validates what we're saying. This is coming. Well, yeah. like, could you imagine now companies, brands, you name it, they actually have a digital marketing line item on their budget now. Right, right. They wouldn't have had no. that 13 years ago. Like, what is digital marketing? Nobody, no. there's marketing, not digital marketing. Yeah. So it was the same thing with AR. You know, finally you'd get them to understand what it is. Yeah. Okay. I can see this being a value add for XYZ. Oh, where do we get, the, where's that fit in our, in our buckets of budgets? Yeah. Right. So then you'd have them like, okay, we're going to pitch this to our innovation group. We're going to talk to the marketing group and then we're going to talk to our brand rep quite literally. And it was like, okay, let's scab 10 grand here, 10 grand there, 20. And that's how they were pulling things together to pay yeah. for these experiences that are all new to them. Yeah. Now, I mean, they've got, again, they probably have an AR line item, <laughs> augmented reality, VR, different things like that. So. Well, yeah, the, the people that are on your About Us page that you've worked with, I mean, they probably had the budget for it. They just didn't know how to explain it to the CMO or the, the uh, CFO. Like Toyota, they're usually on the leading edge of marketing. They seem to do a really good job. That's why I own a Toyota because I like their marketing. Plus, it's a really good rig. But to, to deep dive on the finer points of that in front of a CFO, that had to be a really good sales pitch internally. We're going to hire these guys in Spokane to make this happen for us. Just weird. So from a social media perspective, we had Twitter and Facebook was just starting with pages and then LinkedIn. That was it in 2009. And I was literally telling people I was going to have an agency that would do social media for clients. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, there's no value in this, you know? And I'm like, no, there is. You should see what I did with this. You should see how, how I talked to people in the South. Yep. It was cool. 
And then once you started pitching the story correctly, people would pick up on it, but they didn't want to pay you. You were just getting honored to get their passwords to show them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, or we'd get the same kind of thing where they'd go, yeah, you can do this project, you know, for, for the, for, to have it on your portfolio. Yeah. And we're like, Yes. Thank you. Oh my, no. what a burn. <laughs> yeah. That was a burn. You get to do this project. Yeah. I think actually Tesla tried that twice. With us. We're like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Here's, here's yeah. what it'll cost though. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other part I would say that was interesting about that time frame is when you would get to somebody who got it, and this was at the point where we did have a demo, um, I would be just anywhere. And before I knew it, I was with like the top of the chain of whoever that company was. So, I mean, Warner Brothers, Fandango, IndyCar. I mean, we met a security guard. He's like, hold on. He's like, brings me into the CEO's office. And I mean, this is how it went, you know, private tour of the White House. It was just this weird time where nobody had ever heard of augmented reality. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is what's coming. And this is what we're doing. So it was, uh, it was this wizardry. Yeah. So <laughs> I met some crazy people like, you know, but then they're like, yeah, we don't really have a budget for it. And Isn't that weird. Yeah. So locally, I had those same experiences. Like people were interested, like, well, how does that work? Because we're spending all this money on TV and we don't feel like it's working. So what can you bring to the table? And so in a total dumbed down conversation from my side of it compared to what you were dealing with, I was getting into boardrooms and I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, (laughs) well, these are a bunch of cool cats, you know, like... I'm going to talk to him about social media and the finer points of Twitter and hashtags coming on board, you know, and, and, uh, you could share a link and it now didn't cost you characters, you know, like that was a big deal to us. And it was still just like a, just going right over their head. We can't put money on this. We can't do it. But I managed to get enough people to let me have their passwords to prove proof of proof of performance. Mm-hmm. And it was all, it was a win from there, but Still, we live in a society that doesn't understand exactly how it can benefit them. And I'm sure you're feeling this too. And it's 2023. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And like you said, there's a, there's a line item for social media marketing on a P&L now. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it is. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, it does make it nice. It used to, and then there was the next phase was they were, they'd become, okay, we want it, but we have no idea what to do. And so here's a budget. And so that was really Whoa. fun. So we would get it ideate. We did some amazing ones. That's cool. Rattle them off, but that's some yeah. massive trust. Yeah. Well, and now they do SOW. So like, so we we do less ideating. Yeah. We want this exact experience, and here's the money, and or now we have to quote it. So because now they know. Yeah. They exactly. know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. They just they just need the people to put it to pieces together. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Different world. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So how did you come up with the name Gravity Jack? So Jennifer and I skydive. Uh, oh, cool. Thousands of jumps. Uh, and so that's the gravity portion. That's how we met. Yeah. I, was, I lived down in California. He was down visiting a buddy. And I'm, we met on a drop zone. Whoa. So, yeah. yeah. Adrenaline yeah. junkies much? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, we, still, we ride our sport bikes. We didn't ride them here because she did her hair. But... So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and so and then the Jack part it was my uh, grandpa Jack, who was oh, nice. heavily influential in my life. He was interesting cat. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. I'm a sentimental nerd. Yeah, we were just talking about saving my first camera. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, I've always thought it would be cool to develop a business that I have to have of some sort that would be a homage to my grandpa. It's kind of where it comes, 
mean, it, it came through my family mm-hmm. on both sides. It was really cool. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I like to hear those kind of stories. And this is the, the whole point of our podcast. There is a heartbeat to every brand. Mm. It exists. There's a, there's a reason. It's because humans build things for humans. Absolutely. It's got to have a name. I got lots of Grandpa Jack stories. <laughs> Jen's like, don't share them. <laughs> he, he made you feel loved. That's yes, all that matters. Did. So your new company you're going to build is called Grandpa Jack. Yeah. Next <laughs> <laughs> time. So um, you kind of touched on it, and I, I don't know if this is going to be repeating, but I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about when you got your entrepreneurial itch. Maybe both of you. I don't know. But uh, how, does it, how did that come to be? So you, you got a really young. Yeah, well, my very first thing was, well, I didn't have. So I'm like, okay, I want to be able to do this. So my parents can't do it. So how do I do it? Uh, so my very first thing was I sold salamanders. At, uh, so I'm like, man, I can collect hundreds of these things and everybody wants one. So I'd sell them, but they kept dying. So then the next step was I'm like, okay, I'll sell you kits. So I'm like, you guys don't know how to feed them. So I would send them like these whole little kits. And I had actually a really good like revenue model. It was reoccurring because they had to buy the food for me too. And, uh, and I got completely shut down because there were salamanders all over the school. And people were like, what's happening? I'm like, I don't know. Just doing my job. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, I mean, it moved to legitimate businesses. Uh, I ran a wholesale computer company here in Spokane for a while. Started a newspaper here called The Local Planet. I was intent on competing with the McGregors. I was just young and stupid. Uh, we actually did really well. did end up selling. I sold that company. Um, and the other one collapsed in the dot-com bust. So, you know, again, total learning lesson, uh, especially about cash flow. And in fact, I think my quote in Forbes was cash flow is king, not cash. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, because you can have people owe you a million dollars, but if you can't get it, it just doesn't matter. It's brutal. Uh, and then, yeah, just software. I mean, it was always software. I kept, because I could just do it. I had a, you make something from nothing. Yeah, I had an app when I was 20. I just was kind of goofing around, and that ended up you know, having a few million downloads. And this is in when, like, at Shareware, nobody had millions of downloads. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, boom, it exploded. Uh, and that's what got me the attention of some places like NASDAQ. And so some big companies bought big licenses for it. And then I was too young with too much money, and just it was a bad idea. Skydiving. Yeah, exactly. I'll go skydiving everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. So I, I can't, I, mine came out of adversity. My itch came from adversity, but it wasn't young. I wasn't young. I would have been, I had kids and family. That's weird. It's interesting. I wonder if that's how the itch starts. It's drive. Something has to drive. drive. Yeah. Interesting. Because you're not going to work less. Like, Uh, yeah, that's right. It's the same hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes more. (laughs) (laughs) Often. Well, there's, it, there's a lot of hours in the day, but you don't hate it. No, That's the key. There's it. value. Yeah. How about you? Well, my story is definitely different than Luke's. My parent, my dad was an attorney. My mom was a real estate agent and broker. So in a sense, and he was, a, um, it was his own firm. So they both oh, okay. were entrepreneurs, even though they had, you know, kind of more stable careers, if you will. So I had a lot of exposure to that. Um, and then when we started the first software company, I actually was more CFO type role because numbers were just really easy for me. Mm-hmm. But to your point of you should love it, I hated it. Interesting. <laughs> I, I, I'll step in to fill a need. But if you were to ask me if I loved it, no, absolutely not. And so Entrepreneurship. 
No, the CFO part. Got it, got it. Yeah, no, 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 the CFO part. It was just crunching numbers just because you're good at something doesn't mean you enjoy it, Yeah. right? And so there came to be this point where, you know, front-facing with clients and talking about, like, the ideation of ideas for AR, ideas for their company, like, that that fed me. That was the fun part for me. So I shifted away from, once was a real heart-to-heart of, I hate this. Let's get me out of this role. Then I just, I got to transition more into front lines of, to fulfilling needs and, and talking them through creative ways they can use technology that they weren't used to. So that's where my passion now lies. So you're, you're breaking down the, the technical side into digestible exactly. focus. Right. That's why I, I would do more of the speaking events for Gravity Jack for that very reason. Smart. Because it, yeah, it's like, I, I can understand what's possible. Can I sit down and code? No. Do I need to sit down and code to know what can and can't be done? That's right. <laughs> that's what, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for me, that's fun. And relationship. You know, I, I just really too genuinely enjoy people. And so being able to provide something of value mm-hmm. that came from this spark of an idea uh, is just fun. So you're literally a dynamic duo. This is cool. Yeah, because even when I was doing like that first part of Gravity Jack, I would do a lot of the sales and like I never converted one of those CEOs I met with, but if Jen had been there, we definitely would have. Gotcha. Uh, there would have been at least some deal that got made before we left. I'm just like, this is so awesome, isn't it? Everybody's like, yeah, we're so awesome, and then leave. Yeah, I know. That's... Uh, and I'd be like, here's the numbers. Do you want to sign? <laughs> <laughs> closer. You're the closer. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, that's the goal. But. Yeah, it's rough. I have that same issue. I can't quit talking because it's super exciting. Then mm-hmm. I got to go. Yeah. Well, We'll talk business next week. Yeah, bring your wife in. I'm telling you, she's just going to be like, yeah, sign. Oh, totally. That's, that's the drive. That's yep. uh, now I'm regretting she's not here, but, um, she, she's the one that is the, I would call it in our, in our relationship, she's a clincher. Like, well, did you sell it? And so I always have that, like, she's going to ask me that when I, when I come back to the office, she's going to, well, how did it go? Yeah. Did, did you sell it? Did you, so I, that's been kind of my motivation to do it solo. Um, and I don't think she chooses to be there anyway, but it, it is good to have somebody on your team that understands product, understands what you sell mm-hmm. and can go and close. And it's almost like good cop, bad cop. It's cool. Yeah. And she knows dev speak like really well. So that's awesome. We can tell her, Hey, we're coding this, 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 and this. And she, she gets it. it. Yeah. So you're bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> you're bilingual. I always wanted to be bilingual. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to own that. <laughs> Do it. You're, you speak English and code. Yeah, it's an art. Def code. Yeah, especially when you're reading, you know, now with a lot of, you know, because I live on video conference calls now. Mm-hmm. And so watching micro expressions is, is just critical, yeah. you know, because when somebody starts diving into something and you see that crinkle in the eye, like, what are they yeah. talking about? You know, then you jump in. So I would do that often, you know, for talking with clients. And I, so just to kind of unpack that a little bit, you know, I would, Love I would it. jump in and, and, and he had no idea, like, why is she over explaining this thing? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it took a while. Then I'm like, Oh, that's so they understand it. Cause I made no sense. <laughs> that's funny. So like Eilish, my creative director, when we, when I go to pitch um, and we know we're going to get this uh, and it's gotta, it's gotta have a close. I have her with me cause she will just like go there. Nice. I don't have to worry about it. And it, and then I can also read her. So she'll be at the end of the table. I always have her at the end of the table. And, like, eh, and then I'll look over and she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> move <Okay>. forward. <laughs> We've tried that. And I'm like, I'll give him very subtle things. And he's like, what are you doing? 
what are you saying? And I'm like, ay, 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 for the love of Pete. I do understand this one, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotten that. That's yeah, funny. That. But see, that's the difference between husband and wife and, and, and you know, owner and hired. Yeah. Because she has no emotional connection to me other than we work together, yeah. Eilish. And so when we're in that setting, she's got the go-ahead to tell me to cut it. Yeah. Give me the frown. Give me the stink eye. Like, let's stop this. We, it's an unspoken okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if, if Carrie did that to me, I'd be a little like, what did I do? You know, it melt some, a little bit. It took some navigating, like yeah. knowing. You it took know, some strength. When, yeah, That's well, pretty cool. When we're at work, these are our roles. But then it's also got it, you know, to shut it off at home and have different roles there too is, is unique. Yeah. <laughs> this is super fun. We, we haven't even got into the nuts and bolts yeah. of gravity, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, augmented reality. You've been at the forefront of it. I would almost argue you invented it, but that's just me. I don't have to, you don't have to take my word for it, but what's it, you kind of touched on this. What's it like to be um, marketing something, you know, is going to be big and huge and, and, and sell it like to people that don't have a clue what you're talking about, but they can see the vision and they just, I don't know. Obviously it's hard to ask the question and that's probably how hard it was to explain. Well, I think it's, it was exhilarating at the time, I gotcha. but also bringing it to fruition so that you can see the results of that thing that you were trying to explain early on and they got it. And also it gave you a sense of, um, you know, you were really committed, not that we're not committed to all of our clients, but in the early days, they were taking a chance, yeah, you yeah. know, they were taking a chance on this technology and this, um, this, sorry, there's, That's okay. there's an alarm going off. Did I bump my watch? You might have. <laughs> Technology um, these days. No. But it, yeah, so so getting them to see, and genuinely there was value. So it was, on the flip side, it was also discouraging when you're going, this would be so perfect. Like it's not me just pitching it to close a deal. It's actually- You knew it. Yeah, like if you're talking museum executions or learning and training and maintenance and things like that that are functional. I mean, the fun, quippy marketing stuff is still fun. But there's an element of augmented reality that actually saves time. It's efficient. It's, you know, it's a, a new way, of, a new medium for people to, to be a part of that actually changes how they do things. And it really is the start, if not you know, anywhere along the spectrum of a transformation and how certain things are done. So that's still to this day of being honest. There's still areas where I'll meet with a client and I'm thinking, ah, this was so perfect for you. Yeah. You just need to bite the bullet and pay the bill you're going to see the fruit. This is going to save you time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there, that evangelizing is, is absolutely still happening. Yeah, because on the daily. what you were trying to pitch, you couldn't put on a slide deck. No. Well, there's you a, could. It, 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 yeah. But not, it, you know, now like Pokemon Go or Snapchat, mm-hmm. you know, you're barfing rainbows. You can explain things really easy, you know, gotcha. or like, hey, I want to see what this couch looks like in my living room. So I can put a digital couch there, see if it fits. Da, da, da. So a lot of those little things you can explain to people. Because uh, so, you did it. Yeah. I've now, done it. <laughs> and, and it's real. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. That's kind of, what a, wow, what a story. Yeah, I don't uh, want to take credit for inventing it. The Human Interface Labs in University of Washington did have some people. One of my friends ended up kind of spinning off a company. He's passed away now, but he was, yeah, this guy was pivotal. Visionary, visionary, visionary. Like he was doing VR in the 80s. Like Interesting. Uh, and so, and AR has been around since sci-fi really it's kind of this because you know anybody at the right sci-fi is seeing like a 
where does it have to go? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of an inevitability. So you're saying like a sci-fi movie. Yeah. So, but what we did do is patent the methods. Like we know, okay, if we want to do, cause we sat down in 2009 and we're like, Hey, how, how would you, uh, how would you overlay a manual, you know, on a car or a tank or an airplane? How would you, you know, highlight a bolt? How would you uh, put a game character over a body? You know, how would you know where they are in the space? Uh, you know, outside of face recognition, body recognition. Yeah. You know, how would you do all these things? And that's what drove our patents was the how. And so we defined some use cases and then like, how do you get there? I will say though, just having a little bit of legal background, um, passion and otherwise, when it was time to look up the patents, I'm at the USPTO online looking it up and typing in augmented reality, there's like three pages or something stupid small like that of results. And I'm thinking, definitely typo, definitely typo. And there was hardly any IP. Now, my gosh, if you typed in augmented reality, thousands and tens of thousands of results. So that's, that is how early from an IP perspective we were. So it'll be nice when the fruit of those, here we are 14 years later, so yeah. it's, you know, paying off more. We did chart out too, I know this is a little off topic, but we charted out exactly how the market would go and what would get released and when, uh, and we have literally been 100% accurate on what is coming and the order of when it's coming. And we've been completely inaccurate on the timeline. The meme. So Jen's been pretty accurate. <laughs> Every time he says a date, we go. <laughs> Give the them signal. the signal. <laughs> no dates. <laughs> the Apple Vision Pro, though, is a marker. Uh, because, and it's an, it's an important marker because we knew in consumer-based, in-home, uh, uh, tethered, Augmented reality glasses come and not the Magic Leap. Magic Leap sucked. sucked. They had a field of view that was like looking through a large posted stamp. Yeah. Um, but ones that have full field of view. So that if you're looking around and you're, you know, you're not even, you can't even tell you're wearing glasses and there's content here that's digital, but it's off in my peripheral and I look at it, it's there. And if I come back, you know, look away, gotcha. it stays there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's transformative. Um, gotcha. And especially when you're not, you don't feel like you're looking through a square. So even when I'm holding my phone up, it's still a poor representation of what AR is going to be. Gotcha. And the Vision Pro coming out this winter is, it's transformative. It's going to change everything. That's cool. Do you, who makes that? Apple. Okay, gotcha. Is that the one that's kind of taken forever to get out of here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So From that, was, line, that he, was supposed to be last year. Yeah, so early on, I'm bust. I'm throwing him under. He's like, <laughs> when we started, he's like, he's like we're going to have headsets, you know, consumer headsets in like 2012. And not, I mean, it's just because he could see it so clearly of what the need was mm-hmm. that he's like, this is going to be right around the corner. But then when you take in all the business aspects of things and the hardware, I mean, LiDAR just came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like as software developers, we're consistently chasing hardware. Yeah. And you have to remember the business aspect of it. Apple's iPhones, they are a ridiculous moneymaker for them. Mm-hmm. So even if they could have had these headsets come out four years ago, it would have potentially dinged their iPhone market. Yeah. They're not going to do that. No. And so the, the depths of that rabbit hole of why and when they're going to release certain bits of hardware, you know, I mean, we could speculate, but, but only they, they know the details of those things. Yeah. We're kind of aware of some of the war that occurred with an Apple though, even just for them to launch what they're launching. And the reason the price point is selected at so high is because they're afraid of cannibalizing their iPhone market. Interesting. Uh, and it will like, yeah, like, yeah, it has to, yeah. you, you just, it's like, you know, I haven't liked phones since 2008. So <laughs> interesting. Um, 
So you've had one. Oh yeah. 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 Same. Um, okay. So you're the visionary. Do you see, um, like Apple glasses replacing iPhone? Oh, hundred percent. Awesome. I can't wait to not have it in my back pocket. Well, and, and just heads up, like you're, everybody's heads down getting, I mean, literally Mm -hmm. syndromes in their neck and that's not the way we compute. I mean, we're born computing in analog and we should be adding digital to our analog. I mean, and just the, everything's going to change. Like this idea of a square document, this idea of a square screen, right? Like my space has a Z axis and I should be utilizing it. Mm -hmm. And Good point. And I see in a circle, a circular function. I don't see in a square. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It's obnoxious. It is. It's going to be super cool. Yeah. Um, the one irk I have with, I'll just throw it out there, government. Why can't we not have our driver's license in Apple Wallet? <laughs> Absolutely. Driving. Money. So, I think yeah, it's just, that. there's Money. a couple of states that do. <laughs> there is. Yeah. There's like 12 now. Yeah. But not Washington. Like, we have everything else. Come on. It's, it's troubling. That's the only reason I carry a wallet is because I have to have a driver's license anyway. I don't. I, always, I just save I just it in it. my favorites album. Yeah. And then when I get pulled over, I'm like, hey, there's my... Does that work? It's they never so said far. anything. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Does it work when they want to check your ID for, like... Not uh, at the airport. Oh. The airport won't work. Oh. Yeah. Well, you got your bags. Yeah. You can... You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm kind of getting us off the rails, but man, it, it's like things have come so far, and it's like you're talking about these the um, the goggles, goggles that are coming out. This, yep. yeah, um, killing the iPhone. Well, what? Seriously, why can't all the cards be in there? Okay, you can't go to Lowe's or Home Depot and use your Apple Wallet. I know. Unbelievable. You, so the the step that they have to take before you can cannibalize the iPhone market is you have to have glasses that are as oh. uh, lightweight as what you're wearing right now. Gotcha. And the, the tech is not there yet. Um, there's a lot of things that have to occur before you can micronize to that level. Uh, and also the fact that they're using so much sensor fusion to do the detection and you know orientation of the digital objects in the space makes it so that you know you can't because like just those lidar sensors and i think there's 24 cameras on the iphone vision pro or the apple vision pro excuse me and uh they need to be able to do it like god did stereoscopic vision and gotcha with a you know interpreter and then placement of digital content so the snap glasses uh the two is that cameras or lidar just cameras cameras gotcha they were kind of useless yeah was that a gravity jack you know, did they're, you have anything to do with it? No, but they're working on uh, a stereoscopic version, which uses what's called simultaneous location and mapping to do translation of depth, which gotcha. is not as accurate as LiDAR, but it's how our brains do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is super cool. I can't wait for five years. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. I know. it. Yeah. Do you think it'll be sooner than five years? Always. Yes. Well, you think that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... It, We'll move on after this next question. So the, in your opinion, this is nothing, am I legally right to ask this question? It's a, an opinion from Luke Ritchie. When do you think um, the soonest we could expect to not have to have an iPhone and do all the work we do with it with glasses? The, they're really close. Okay. Uh, and they already know the steps that you have to take. The, well, most of them. One of our patents covers what we know is gonna, they're going to have to step on. Um, 
That's it's a money question. Oh. It's more a money question. It'll be the first time that like they'll have it, and they may not do it. They might even wait for somebody like a, a competitor to do something that starts to gain traction before they're like, okay, now we have to. So that would be Apple. Yeah. Waiting. Gotcha. So it's coming sooner than later. Yeah. Why doesn't iPhone have a foldable? Why isn't an iPad foldable yet? They are working on one. Like, uh, so I don't know. I hope they do. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Like that would be next level. That'd be next level. Get a, get an Apple device that's foldable. And it's still a phone on the front. See, I, I think it somewhere. still goes back to the money thing. Yeah. They just that's so they fascinating. Can just stick that feature in their back pocket. You know, they can just wait to roll that out because their present phone market's just bringing in the cash. Yeah. So then, when they announce that, that's like next level for them. And there's no going back after that, right? Right. 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 As soon as they start the foldable, that's it's ne- that's, that's it. it. That's all that they're going to be going moving forward, which squashes what they're presently at. Yeah. So I remember the Nokia. You know, just the flat phone with the keys on it and the little LCD display, green LCD. That We had one of those for four years, and it just broke. So we went to get a new phone, and they had these really cool Motorola flip phones. My Nokia, by the way, got ran over by a car. Ooh. No, still it still worked. worked. It's great. Oh, no. like the first year we were together, I'm like, oh, my phone. Hey. Like, How did you run it over? <laughs> it happens. Oh, man. Well, I took us way off the rails. That's all right. Yeah, it was fun. So um, what's the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality? So augmented reality is putting digital content into your live scene through a viewing device. So through a headset, HMD, goggles, glasses, or through your mobile device, your phone, or even iPad or whatnot. So you're looking at the screen to display the content, putting the couch in your living room. It's not a holographic image like Princess Leia. Like Wayfair. Right, but on Wayfair, it's still through your screen. It's through your mobile device to view the content. But you're putting, you're wanting to add digital content to what you're presently seeing. Got it. Whereas virtual reality can be done on phones, but it's best in a headset. But you're taken away, completely away from where we're out of this, this office, this this podcast area, and I'm taken to wherever, Paris, France, and I'm going to go look there, or a facility if I'm doing learning, training, maintenance, repair, or a museum museum exhibit. But VR is fully immersive, completely 360 degrees all the way around you, for the most part, when done proper. 360 degrees around you, taken away. And just I'll add to that too, the programming behind like augmented reality and virtual reality is very similar. And we've always described VR as AR with the knob turned all the way up. Uh, So it's like... I mean, because you can imagine sitting in Starbucks and you're, you got your virtual screen sitting in front of you, but you can still see everybody around you. And then you're like, okay, I need some privacy. I turn the dial all the way up. Now sudden virtual walls come up. My noise cancellation goes on and now I'm immersed and I'm not even at Starbucks anymore. And what's cool that, you know, because we've been saying this in talks for, gosh, 10 years, it's VR, you know, or AR with the knob turned all the way up. The Vision Pro has that knob. And so Whoa. you can actually do that. And literally now I'm, now I'm out of AR and I'm fully immersed. That is going to be awesome. That'll be worth every penny. It is about money. (laughs) They had to wait until we were convinced. (laughs) Yeah, they need more trillions. (sighs) Okay, talk to us about IP protection. So I know, um, do you know Tyler Alvarado? Continuous Composites. I I did a podcast with him a few years ago on a totally different um, subject. Super cool company. Yeah, we were out there. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. Awesome. We're going to try and get him on the show because he's got to tell his story before it's 
too far gone. Yeah, you uh, can't like, reach him. Can't reach him. Yeah, and I think we might be there already. Anyway, it's interesting. Their their robotics uh, programming it has to do it in a three D space. So that's what we were kind of talking to him about. It's like because some of the code we use in AR is very similar. Interesting. You know, because movement of that print head mm-hmm. is very different than an X Y axis. Now I've got a whole Z axis, and you know, what's that optimal path? And it's it's some hard code. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's cool. So he talks a lot about his IPs mm-hmm. that they created in the race to get it um, protected. Mm-hmm. That's the right word. Yeah. So how does that work for you guys? Because you're you're you don't they have a product that you can actually touch and see and understand how the IP works. You're you're more of a um, software IP. Software IP, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm asking this quite. I know the answer, but I I want to get it from you guys for for our guests or for our listeners. I'll start, it's challenging, but it's, it's really like anything in legal. You know, you can have the most solid case ever, and it depends on how the judge is feeling that day, mm. you know, which is really frustrating. Um, we started really going down our, um, our patent infringement path in t- 2019 is really when we started, because they kind of sat there. We had our patents there. We, we knew they were there, da, 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 but we were just we weren't going down the infringement. We wanted to get augmented reality out there, augmented reality out there as fast as possible and as large as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? We wanted other companies doing it, we wanted brands doing it. Just have AR ubiquitous, then we can go after the infringers. Because we're what are we going to go after a Smart. new company who's just starting to do AR making what a couple of few hundred thousand dollars a year saying, "Hey, here's your patent licensing that you can't afford to pay," you know? Mm-hmm. So let them let them go out there, let them do their thing and then we can come up and say We've been doing this since 2009. Here's our patents and here's your licensing deal. So we have um, this year three deals like inked, done, licensing in and received and many more on the horizon. So working with the attorneys there, but it's a process. Hmm. Frustrating because you're sending them, you're sending in the letters and then you're speaking with them. And then they, you know, it, what's going to end up unfortunately happening is we're probably going to have to take some companies to court and actually go into litigation which I don't think is necessary. You know, they, they just don't. You know, if they saw the patents, are you actively developing on augmented reality? Yes. These patents were in effect before, long before you started doing this. It's a, it, you know, it's a, it's a licensing fee that's due. And so just pay it and move on. But, it's, you know, a lot yeah. of them puff their chest. And the landscape's changed. So mm-hmm. the response to COVID caused the courts to, sh- the patent courts to shut down for 22 months. Mm-hmm. So in that 22 months, you had all of big tech not having to, you know, pay out for what they actually literally call planned infringement. So they actually budget for when they know they're going to infringe and they're just going to pay it. Uh, but they, they went for 22 months without having to pay anything. And so they came back really aggressive, like uh, mm. all of them. You know, they, there were, used to be certain companies that would just be like, no, they're going to they're going to stiff arm you and you got to really go hard. And now they're all that way. Um, so the, at least at the big at big tech. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just an interesting, uh, there are ways to write your patents too, so that you can continuously add to them. And I mean, I love what Tyler does because he's got in-house counsel. Uh, oh yeah. So it's like, yeah, nice. I, I patent all day. I probably never get no work done. I just be like, let's patent that, 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 that. Uh, but yeah. So we're selective about what we patent. Gotcha. When this, the, I get annoyed with this. So for any listeners who don't know what he meant by planned infringement, it's companies who, companies, brands, et cetera, who know that there's a patent, 
that they are getting ready to do something for, be it create a piece of hardware, create a piece of software, they know it's there and they budget that line item. So instead of paying a licensing fee, they know, let's just roll it out. Like we're, we're going to go create our software. These are going to be our revenues. We're going to make let's, 3 million off of this in the next four years. And the legal fees to fight that patent are going to be like 250,000. You get what I mean? Yeah. So they just plan to infringe on that. We're going to make 4 million. We'll fight it. Eh, we'll settle it at 500,000. We made 3.5 million. It's a win for me, which is, really annoying yeah that's super me. annoying samsung did it to apple i mean an interesting example of what jen's talking about is they knew that they were copying what apple did on the interface they paid a 4.2 billion dollar fee but they became the number one cell phone provider on the planet so if you tell me i mean was it worth 4.2 billion yes absolutely especially when you look at the numbers i mean that's not even a quarter so that's not right uh, that's not it's right. not ethical no it's not ethical exactly I, I mean, a savage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever decided that was okay, I mean, they went for it and did it. I mean, it sucks. So some of the brands that we've gotten that have, have agreed and signed the licensing, I definitely, I just, I have more respect for them. Yeah. I mean, it was, one of them is a product. I am now more inclined to use their product because of the way they handled. For sure. It's a makeup brand. And the way they handled the licensing, <laughs> they reviewed it. It wasn't like, okay, sure, here's the chat. I mean, they reviewed it. Are we doing it? Wow, okay, yeah, we actually are. All right, what, what do we owe you for the licensing over this time frame? So. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, which product was it? Am I allowed to say? I don't know. If you can't, don't. Yeah, I don't think they're on our list of public licensees. So yeah, no worries. I cannot say a public <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. I'm like, I'm giving them kudos. Yeah. <laughs> well, when the timing's right, shoot me an email, and I'll, I'll make sure we get something out. So people should support that. I agree. Good I ethics. Agree. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so I, I, I kind of hate to ask this question because it's really stupid, but I'm helping our listeners. We'll just go with that. Well, actually, I really want to know. So the uh, AR and virtual reality, um, maybe, I don't know if we can scale this. I don't know, but I'll just throw the words out there. Entertainment, marketing, or their practical uses. I heard you touch base about training and maybe scanning a nut, something like that. What? All of the above. Okay. They really are. And there is absolutely a time and a place for augmented reality, and there's a time and a place for VR, virtual reality. And many times over the years, and still present day, a client may come saying, okay, this is what we're wanting to do, this VR experience, virtual reality experience, blah, 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 blah. And by the time they roll it out, I'm like, well, let's talk about all of the options, you know, and I'll talk them through augmented reality. And I go, so based on, you know, all of these options, are you still leaning towards VR? I mean, obviously I want them to be the one mm -hmm. that recognizes the change or if there is one. And um, yeah, there's been plenty of times where augmented reality is a better use case or vice versa for something. So, so let's say for business, um, practical purposes, what would that look like? Which types of business? I don't know. Like um, I'm trying to think of a use for AR or VR that would um, increase a business's profitability by using it for non-marketing and non-entertainment purposes sometimes jen when she does uh, talks like chamber of commerce or you know these places she'll actually just challenge them name your business mm -hmm. and i'll tell you how it could help you okay uh, um, so like you i mean you could just pick anything and so i love it like i'll throw weird ones and i'm like oh that worked <laughs> okay bike shop oh my goodness bicycles or street bikes or motorcycles? Uh, mountain bikes okay i mountain bike and i road bike 
by the way. So you can actually see a bike, a bicycle in augmented reality in your space. So if I'm at home and I want to look at even seat height, I can display a 3D model of the mountain bike scaled to size in my living room. So say my 20-year-old daughter who's five foot and I'm five foot eight. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't. (laughs) So like when I think of a bike, it's different than what I would do for her. But I could literally with my device put a mountain bike in augmented reality and have her go stand next to it to see, all right, let me put this one oh, next to your gotcha. hip height. Where do I want this? All right, this is a good bike for you. Or eh, this is too big, this is too small, something along those lines. You can change colors out. You can change your your wheels out. I ride a Cervelo, and he got me some really cool wheels a few years back. Nice. So you can swap those out, and you can see different parts. Taking it a step further, you can even buy an app. So I can configure my mountain bike, see what it actually looks like, spin it around, zoom in change out derailers, whatever stuff I want to do. And then you can purchase an app or just view it or send it. Hey, here's my Christmas wish list. And then <laughs> just taking it one step further, the maintenance on that. You have to take like, how do you, you know, how do you do this derailer? So you could actually have augmented reality that recognizes that derailer mm-hmm. and literally shows you 3D overlay of how to like fix it uh, and take you step by step through those things. And that's really where you start to, you know, not need subject matter experts because the, you know, devices will come with the subject matter experts, you know, embedded in a capability of viewing it. I need this in my life now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's soon. Yeah. I just had I've to have like my for a while, refrigerator though. repair guy come out to fix my freezer. And I thought, oh, man, if it was, if you had a, a, a user manual that was augmented reality, hold up my phone to my device, tell it what's going on. It says to go to back of the fridge, hold up my device, points to that hose. You need to clear out this because it's like, he says, it's like the number top, top eight biggest issues with this fridge. So it could have walked me through it and I could have had it done months ago instead of waiting for the repair right. guy. That's what I mean by the future and like that it's going to change how we live and function into the future. In like next year. Hopefully. I know. Hopefully. Well, I'm really Somewhere pressing for the there. answer. I want it to be tomorrow, but we're, we're stuck on next year and it's not even going to happen for five, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, so one of my biggest um, unnervings is the cool, awesome features coming with electric cars. EVs are going to be change the world. I love it. It's everything we need. Um, and take take the equation of saving the earth and all that stuff out of it. It's mm-hmm. just totally radical, awesome technology. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is lose the um, ability to still have a gasoline engine. And so, like for instance, the rigs we drive now don't have to go away. There's not going to be a lot that's going to make it go away. But as we transition into EV. I see a huge need for AR or VR, no, a augmented reality, um, to fix the um, air intake on my mm-hmm. 2014 Yukon Denali. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's it, the when I say AR user manual, that's what I'm talking about. Right on. Where it's just a manual, you know, instead of flipping through that guide or YouTubing, you're actually seeing it on top of. So I hold my device up and it recognizes the engine itself, right? And then it illuminates your air filter on your screen where it's like you right. see that thing and then you it tells you what to do. You pull it out and I don't know, whatever the heck else you do in engines. <laughs> but that's anytime I'm using that language of an AR user manual, that's specifically what. So cool. Right. But yeah. the windshield itself too. And it's not just EVs though. Like Elon, like knew, hey, I can't just do an electric car. I've got to do something unique and cool. And mm-hmm. so he he took it to a whole other level by adding, you know, some of the stuff that he did, like with self driving and yeah, because uh, you know people were like, oh yeah, do an EV, but now he's like, no, it's going to drive itself. And all of that re- uses computer vision. 
Oh, and computer, computer vision, that capability of the computer to see something is the first step of augmented reality. And so then you overlay content on what it saw. Got it. Uh, and just in terms of like windshields and what it's going to be able to recognize and like you'll be driving and, you know, it's, you have cameras all around your car and it says, hey, there's a little kid with a vector that's going to occur, you know, right when you drive past on this street that you would never see, but your car sees it. Or another car in front of you sees it. Because oh, they yeah. have an angle oh, you don't. Yeah. And there's a, there's a network communication mechanism between the two. And so that's where you can see, oh, and then not only could the car stop itself, but it might also give you some visual indicator on the screen. So the one thing, sorry, we keep getting off the rails yeah, here. No, I love this stuff. Though. Good, me too. All day. So you look at um, the deals that uh, Tesla is making for their tra- supercharging stations with Rivian, Ford, I think it's Chevy already, maybe even Toyota. I can't, I can't remember. I know it's three, three automakers so that they can actually access super stations. And it is, he's just going to build more super stations closer to home, which is great for everybody. That gives me hope that a Rivian, a Dodge, a Ford, a, a Tesla, et cetera, et cetera, communicates with each other cross-platforming, almost like a grid. Um, man, I'm talking dumb terms here. But no, that's, no. that's exactly I think that's accurate. Actually our, yeah. One of our patents is called Gridiron because. Oh did. yeah, we've talked about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. I don't. Can that's you talk about step. it anymore? Uh, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally off topic, but I know. But the technology using using um, uh, the um, operating system inside of a TV to communicate. Yeah. It's just cool. Let's do that on another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's deep. We, I know. We're doing it. We'll do it. Okay. I have a feeling there's going to be other things on this podcast. We're going to have to tear out and do another (laughs) one. It's super cool. And this is stuff people need to know about. I agree with that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, So on your website, there was a quote that I ripped and I really liked it. That um, Gravity Jack wants to create a world where technology and the human experience intersect seamlessly. So what does that look like to you for now and in the future? I know we've, we kind of talked about it, but I just want to touch on the quote because it's super cool. You want me to say it again? We might have different answers on this one. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're still similar. But right now, you know, when it's the human experience in digital, it's an expectation. Like moving into the future where eventually, like even with the headsets here, you know, you're in your, with the Vision Pro, it's very mm-hmm. much in your home space. I'm going to have a TV, a virtual TV on my wall. My cookbook's going to be here. When I have my headset, I can see my cookbook right by my stove. You know, things I can pin my NFT art in my space, right? So then when I put my headset on, I'm looking around, I'm expecting this digital content. Then when I walk outside down the streets of Spokane or New York City or wherever, then it's only what I see with my naked eye. So there's going to be this, threshold where it crosses where people are just going to expect it they're going to look at a box of cereal hold up their phone put on their headset and expect the box to come alive they're going to look at a water bottle and hold their phone up or hold put their headset on and well wait this is why why isn't anything happening on this like they're gonna they're gonna it's broken because it's going to be an expectation ah my refrigerator's busted what do you do right now you call a repairman eventually the human experience is going to be so digitally enhanced. Ice maker's done. Put my headset on. Samsung this this TV or refrigerator. Fix my ice my ice maker. Like it's just going to be um, a cohesive between my natural and my digital. Not stuff everywhere. Well, actually, it'll be very custom tailored. Some people might want 
little purple monkeys jumping around when they're walking downtown. Some people might just want this sign to enhance or tell me where the deals are today or you know what I mean? Gotcha. So it'll be your own personal digitized experience. Weirdly, I know what you mean. <laughs> Very good. I love it. Good. <laughs> I want, I'd agree with everything she said. And like that would be like my first definition. But I've kind of added to that definition, especially over the last three years. What is the human experience? I mean, outside of just like our sensory perception, but what is the group communal experience? And what does technology have? Does it have a role in, you know, even changing, you know, the fact that 50% of the planet lives in ultra poverty? And Mm -hmm. so could we create solutions that scale using digital technology? And then you start to look around and all the pieces are actually there. The experiments have been run. Oh, but that requires donations. Oh, play to earns there. Oh, but that requires this. So there's all these, you know, and it was a pyramid scheme. What if somebody's motivation truly 100% was to actually just solve a systemic and generational problem like poverty using scalable things that exist in the tech world? I mean, you can do things that you can't do, mm-hmm. you know, on Moss uh, with technology. And so I see that digital and human intersection occurring in another, you know, more world modifying way, which is to, you know, which is our next project that we're working on, which is could we solve world poverty? When one thing I. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I totally believe that too. This is a quote I've said on, you know, probably too many times now, but I haven't said it here. So I'm going to say Let's it, do it that opens up where he's going and even the future of the human experience and digital 80% of the jobs 12 years from now don't even exist. So when you pause and ponder that, what is that? So 12 years from now, what kind of jobs are we going to have uh, out there that maybe solve this problem, right? That, or heavily address it or. Because uh, bandwidth will be freed up. So, humans will be freed up to help. Well, and we just don't, we don't even know. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can hypothesize all we want. We don't know where the headset market's going to go. Where's that going to be 12 years from now? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a whole slew of jobs creating things just around that market. And, you know, people around the world, you, you've got people in villages with hardly anything and they have smartphones. It's wild. And so what do we do 94% with that? 94%. What kind of jobs the could they do? Did, you know, te- from technology that right. can help, help actually put food on their table. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we have some ideas. But. Yeah. And then AI changes it too. Yeah. AI. So all this stuff is like coalescing at this moment in time. And then there's a lot of people just nefarious, you know, Hey, I just want to do what we normally do, which is just make cash and stack, you know, stack cash. Yeah. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of other people that have motives that are different. And there's a, there's a sentiment that's growing in the world that, you know, maybe we could do something different. And maybe those systems that require donations, what if we put perpetual business systems in front of them that drive and so you don't need donations anymore because it creates something that has permanence and payouts. Yes. And it revolves like it's not. And and then it gives back as those people succeed and you just create mechanisms of success. Uh, Oh man, I cannot wait for the future. (laughs) And, And as you're saying this, there's this one thing that just keeps coming to the forefront. Like, we can, we can think these things, we can see it in our own vision of how it could work. Cause you had two different visions and I'm collectively making my own time and chance changes everything. You got, you got governments doing their thing. You've got unrest across the world. You've got success across the world. And then you have these static things that are growing that will help life. 
and it changes the trajectory of all those fascinating parts. So it's awesome. We can't predict the future, nope. <laughs> but it's cool that you can see the future coming at you and a cool, uh, well, it's not cool is too loose. I guess, um, a realistic change is yeah. coming. It's like you can see a slew of potential yeah. opportunistic verticals. <laughs> like which one's going to hit? <laughs> well, like you're talking about AI, right? Um, uh, so when ChatGPT came out, that's a game changer for marketing. It's mm-hmm. huge. Totally. We love it. Yeah. And we're, we're quickly adapting to it without even talking about it. That's how cool it is, right? Eight months ago, we weren't even talking about ChatGPT. And they're on version four. Mm-hmm. And this is eight months, right? Just the reality of that happening. And you're talking about these uh, AR goggles that are, I call them goggles. I feel like that's a cheap cheap way of saying something so better. many people they goggles glasses <laughs> they look like ski goggles i mean so you're not so, wrong it's like riddick remember the movie riddick oh yeah, yeah. twice <laughs> those they have those are dope goggles so yeah. those are legit goggles they so. are but would you walk downtown with them on no no so see well actually like a little off. Diesel, <laughs> i know well you're you look similar to vin diesel i just need to shave my head yeah <laughs> you could totally you could totally you could own it you should do it Bring, bring the glasses next time. I'll do it. I'll shave my head. No, why? Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. This is, this is, this we is. went way off topic. <laughs> well, we're off topic though. I'm, I have this weird vision in my head of going to Yoke's fresh marketplace yeah. with goggles on to shop. You totally could. That's a perfect. See, you're starting to see all the experiences. Like you'll start thinking of them too over the next couple of days. Like, Oh, you could use AR there. You could use Absolutely. AR there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm already 19 years behind you. So, <laughs> But it's super cool. So you think they'll have two separate grocery stores, Pe- people that like an old school and analog, and then people that like an enhanced experience? No, because all you do is you put on the glasses and your experience is enhanced. I'm just saying, Grandpa's going to think we're looking pretty weird. Totally. Yeah, but he's got a cell phone now. Like oh, that's true. Yeah. It's 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 uh, transformative. They have to. Like, that's why... It's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Cell phones, 94% of the planet has a mm-hmm. smartphone. I mean, that's crazy. Just crazy. It's cool. Yeah. We weren't saying that five years ago. But that's how transformative this will be. Like, yeah. It just won't make sense. You'll be like, I don't know. I got to have a pair of glasses. The government will give them out free. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, fortunately... <laughs> wait, what did you just say? Well, didn't they do that at one point? Like, I give out a bunch of phones? I think I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't remember why, but it was weird. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it just... It took but, 88% but to 94%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up now. I can't remember the one. Oh, we'll figure it out. I know what the, it's all about money. That's there you go. Yeah. That's usually what is simple answer. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what's your vision for Web3? Let's just jump the rails, whatever. I love it. it. Yeah, I know. And me too. Um, I feel sorry for the people in my circles because I was talking about Web3 all the time. It's It's a reality that's coming. So I, I know you're in the middle of it, um, and it probably does it have. Is there any intersections to AR? Um, we and, did, it, yeah. Okay. So much. Okay. But we did it completely wrong. Like gotcha. I mean, even like I, I sat back and I've been in it. I mean, we've been doing blockchain for eons, and you know, recently termed Web three. It's a, it's transformative. There's mm-hmm. an ethos that goes with it. There's a philosophy that goes with it. So you know, I'll outside of the Bitcoin maxis, which kind of also comes into the Web3 ethos of, you know, anti-tyranny, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, maintaining content that's immutable on chain, you know, can't be taken down you know, for censorship reasons, those sort of things. So there's this ethos that comes with it that's very kind of maybe libertarian in, in focus. Gotcha. Uh, but the problem is, and it's a huge problem that I, I, I just like landed on. I wrote a blog article about it because I was like so excited that I'm like, oh, I get this now, is nobody but nerds can use it. Like that's the that's the problem. problem. Like, and so it's never going to get used until we solve that problem. So we're actually working. Like we're thinking now. We're thinking, oh, that's the big problem. Like the tech is solid. The tech is awesome. And like, you know, assuming quantum computing doesn't happen too soon, then we're safe. But you know, I've got to make it so literally. And we actually do this. Like one of my designers hates it when I call it the mom test, but I actually do test stuff on my mom. And if she can just pick it up and use Smart. it, you know, I mean, she's I don't know old. <gasps> Just kidding, mom. Oh. <laughs> uh, but if she can pick it up and use it, then I know we've done right. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we bring apps to her. We bring on, like we just hand it to her. Don't say anything. She knows. Um, but Web three is so incredibly hard. Like even if she watched all the tutorials, she'll never do it. So you, you've just got to get it as easy as, you know, Apple's, you know, paying with my watch right, at right. Walgreens. So I would say. You remember back in the day, the, the parallels between Web3 and MP3s? Yes. Or digital music, right? Everybody was like, no, we're not going to do this. You had production companies paying hundreds of thousands, probably millions, fighting it. No, 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 we need CDs. We need da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Fight, 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 fight. What happened in the end? MP3. MP3. And then digital music, Apple Music, Spotify, you name it. Super and easy. And we love it. Everybody loves it. Mom can use it. My grandma could yeah. use it. Everybody can use it. It's very You can simple. listen to our podcast on Spotify. Exactly. <laughs> Go to the Spotify to listen to the podcast. But when it first came out, not easy to use. People yeah. didn't know how to use it. They, could, they didn't even know where to go to click on a song, yeah. let alone to, to have a player that could play the song. They couldn't fit. It was just super challenging, mm-hmm. not easy. Everybody was fighting it. And now look where we're at. Yeah. Web3, this is a very simplified comparison, but Web3 is very, all these people were trying to push back on it. It is coming. It's not an if, it's a when. It will absolutely be where things are going. So rather than be those early MP3 people pushing back, embrace it, simplify it, look for the opportunities and ways that you can do it, and actually look for the positive. That's because totally. So that's the people positive. that are going to win in the space, though, are not like all the people I love in the space. I love some of the people in the space, mm-hmm. but they're not going to win. Because they only they have a limited user base, but it's going to be somebody that's like, oh, I'm going to make that part easy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make that part easy, and I'm going to make that part easy. And I mean, it has to be self custody, but it can't be, you know, it's got to be as easy as you know how Coinbase does it. And Coinbase doesn't do it easy, by the way. Like they need to do it even easier than that. Yeah, Coinbase um, is rough. Yeah, they all. <laughs> are. I mean, you're talking to a guy that lives and breathes and makes his living on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coinbase is not easy. Mm-mm. But okay, so Web3, what's the, um, so I remember when HTML switched to um, CSS, things like that. So all the WordPress sites started coming on board, you know, things became enhanced. It was awesome. So I consider that Web2. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at right now. What, what, is, what do you think the um, transition between Web2 and Web3 will look like? Do you have any perspective on that? I think the user, if it goes like what I'm saying won't even know. Mm. Like, they just won't care. Like, they don't care if the internet runs on TCP IP. It just runs. Yeah. 
And so they're going to be using, you know, an Axie Infinity Web3 game. Total awesome proof of concept. Love what they did. But what if you were playing a game and you had no idea that it was an NFT, no idea that you were using a token, no idea that, like, and then you're just playing a game. Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, I could exchange that for fiat. Uh, that's where that gotcha. that's going to go. It'll just be, and then I didn't even know that was transformative. I didn't even know the government couldn't delete my text from me uh, because of this peer-to-peer. I mean, there's a, like this these things that will occur, and then they're like, hey. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, when you're, if you're an iPhone user, you, you snap a picture, it saves it to your phone, it backs up to your iCloud, you're good to go, life is great. You don't pay attention. No, you know it's there. It's there. You take a picture, it's there, you run a search, and you can find it. Yeah. Very seamless like yeah. that. But behind the scenes, what is Apple doing to create iCloud, to create to have this storage? You have to have the login to get there. There's this whole infrastructure that, that Apple controls. Does, controls and does very well to make my picture life really easy. Yeah. And that's going to be kind of Web3. It's going to be the same thing. Where it's Because the nuts and the bolts of what Web3, what blockchain stands for, and how it functions, how it stores things, how, how you go and get it. That's the part, the security of it, the decentralization, the fact that I own my own stuff. It's not everybody else's, you know, I own my content, not Facebook owning my content. So it's the heartbeat behind blockchain, behind Web3 of it being really what everybody wants. They just don't know how to put it into words. And I think there's going to be a, a decrease in the over tokenization of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'll just do a token for that, a token for that. I mean, there's so much crossover between so many of these tokens, and mm-hmm. there's so many scams. Um, like, I didn't realize how many scams till I like, was really deep in the industry in the last two years. I'm like, this is bad. Like, they, even some of the meme coins, they literally are designed to create momentum so that somebody loses on the tail end, but he, somebody wins on the upswing. He was supposed and, to be on a show of some sort. I can't remember what it was, and I frankly won't say it anyways. But it was to talk about different different coins, different tokens, blah, blah, blah. Didn't end up doing it. And his, he was actually really sad after. He was I was like, sick to my stomach at the thought yeah. they were going to call me. So I, I ended the Twitter spaces because I'm like, there's no way. I can't do this. Like, they're laughing at people that lose. And I'm oh. like, this is, this is disgusting. Uh, and he didn't know until he got on. Like, at first, at first glance, it looked like a good opportunity. Da, da, da. Yeah. He's like, why? Why are they doing this to people? It's just wrong. But because 10,000 people at the time listening to that show were pumping a coin and so that coin shot you and so as long as you're in at that right spot you can make some money and who cares about the guys that you know buy in at the spot so there was i mean there was corruption on web too there's still there's yeah it's everywhere right and and it's uncontrollable when it's on the internet and i think i think government has tried to grapple with that and create ethics around it whatever even though it's still there we we don't think about it as much I think Apple made a big move um, when they uh, made it your your choice to to have data shared with um, app people yeah. to control allow apps. not to allow not to view or whatever it is yeah. to share. Yeah. That's Web three without the option. Like you're, you're expected to be able to choose. Is that correct? Like Web three is protection. Web three is mm-hmm. protecting you. If you're in a in a space of Web three and using that space, it's you. No one else can touch that. It's 100 percent secure. Mm-hmm. When governments just hate, they hate you know the KYC, the know your customer part. So that's the part though. I think they'll fight back on all the time. Is you know any form of anonymity uh, isn't it's not and not controllable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they'll fight that, but I think that's kind of inevitable too. I think that's why we have credit cards instead of cash. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crap. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Total another sidetrack, but yeah, we could go there. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about blockchain, and, and I heard you bring up smart contracts. So um, can you just break it down into gen terms for... I was going to say gen. <laughs> uh, so I think it web, taking things that are done presently and looking at what they will be done, Web3 blockchain style, smart contract style, helps understand how, for me anyways, okay. and explaining to you. So when you go buy a house, you go create a contract. You go to the escrow agency, you're filling out all the forms, you have this digital contract, the PDF is saved somewhere, everybody has a link, blah, blah, blah. That's how that's presently done. So with blockchain, you can do all of that digitally, and then the contract itself is actually saved on the blockchain. So it's not saved on some server that Am- theoretically Amazon Web Services could shut down a whole mm-hmm. store- cloud storage and then there went that contract. You can't mm-hmm. find it. So the thing about blockchain on these smart contracts is where it's saved, how it's saved, who has access to it, and then it can't be changed. It can't be modified. There's different contracts between, I mean, so that's a, a I would say a larger scale type it, smart contract, but you can do smaller contracts between people as well, but it's that storage, it's the immutable storage aspect of it that is so critical and so beautiful, frankly, about yeah. blockchain. So to get access to that, it needs to be an interface. Yeah, that's the tr- that's, that's where it sucks right yeah. now. <laughs> There's no interface. No. So it exists. It's ready to be used. Anyone could use it. We just, no one has breaking, broken the code. Nah, that's bad terminology, but no one's cracked into it. No one's created the interface, method, yeah. the method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A method, a simple method to get yeah. to my, my smart contracts. Yeah. Where's all my, my stuff stored? How do I see it in a really easy way? Yeah. You know, in your personal wallet. So you'd see your smart contracts in your own wallet where I might have NFTs. I'd have my smart contract. I have my, my crypto or whatever it is that I'm storing. So. Yeah. And wallet is app based. Like Coinbase is, is a NFT wallet, mm-hmm. Bitcoin wallet. To put it in perspective, based off of layman's terms, I'm trying my best. I, I want no, I want good. people to know that this is something that's hard to explain. I guess is where I'm going with it. Does Coinbase do self custody? They have no. both. Okay, they do. They didn't use two. There, you just brought up another term we could spend a whole podcast on. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we need to start a podcast, guys. <laughs> on all the tech terms, we could do meme coins and no, you know, no, pump no, no, no. Okay, false. <laughs> I think we need to get a, a like a keg of coffee and just sit <laughs> and just here and go. grind for a day. Yep. Just Luke Ritchie just spilling his brain. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it might scare you, though. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's, let's take this down to a part of the show that we like to share with everybody. Um, and as a guest, you get the honor of getting these questions. So... What would you tell a future business owner thinking of starting up in the Inland Northwest? I'll take the Inland Northwest part and you take the business part. As a transplant here, I love it up here. I love the four seasons. I mean, the people, there's so much to do. It's beautiful. Early on in Gravity Jack, there was oftentimes we'd go down to Silicon Valley and or if I'm fielding calls and the questions were like, why aren't you guys down in the Valley? Why are you, as a tech company, why aren't you down in the Bay Area? And I'm like, quality of life mm-hmm. was often my answer. Thankfully, I would say COVID shifted that because a lot of people do, you know, remote work and things like that. But just in general, I personally 
absolutely love it up here. And the opportunities are huge and only growing with, with the remote like lifestyle. So absolutely. I'll actually touch the inland Northwest because when I was young, like I said, I've been doing business here my whole life mm-hmm. and I was so aggressive and ruthless and cutthroat that I burned a lot of bridges when I was younger and it took me a long time to rebuild some of those. Uh, and, and Spokane is just not a place you want to do that because everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, there's probably not a lot of, but there was just things I did that I just wouldn't do now in terms of, you know, how you do business. So I would say just realize that, Hey, you know, it works in your favor when you're, you know, doing business ethically and, you know, with honesty and, and you, I mean, you, you see it, Yes. you just get lots of referrals and yes. Uh, but yeah, I would just say, do it that way. Do business well, do it with excellence. Well said, well said. Um, if someone listening to this podcast has a dream of starting in a business as an investment or a passion, but is wondering how to start, what advice would you give? One foot in front of the other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it really is find your passion area, find your vertical, find your, your area you want to go in. And, you know, it could even be if you're really drawing straws or don't have um, like a community of people, friends, whomever to go ask questions to, call someone up, take them out to lunch, pick their brain. Yeah. Buy him lunch and see see what you can get out of them. Not get out of them. Yeah, yeah, Questions no, I, you can ask, you know ask them personally on lessons learned. Um, but the biggest thing is to just start. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Start, just go. I mean, even if you fail, I failed a number of times. Uh, you just learn, and uh, I like the idea of taking people to lunch too. I actually know people that have you know, start a business that, that way. One, one has been super successful in two of them, but his method was he would just start taking people to lunch. CEOs, he'd walk into offices and be like, hey, can I take you to lunch? I'll pay. I want to pick your brain about starting a business. And by the time he was done, like, oh, he'd start them, pay them, sell it. And then he'd be like, I'm going to do, do a totally new industry. And so he'd do the same method. So he's already successful and he's still like, hey, this is my, me- this is how I do it. Uh, and so he'd go learn from the best then, uh, and then they get a free lunch. Most people will say, you know, yes, do a free lunch. Agreed. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. That's a good model. Um, networking is everything. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Why not do it over lunch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. With people that you could never touch if you didn't offer them lunch. Exactly. But he would literally walk into their office yeah. and he'd just figure out where they worked. His and it, first one, he was living out of his car when he did it. Uh, so he'd like, I'd go and, you know, to clean myself <laughs> up and then run in and he just started. And then he's like, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. And he had an outline, too, because he just, he'd start to see themes, you know, in these. Uh, and then when he started it, he had this huge network of people that knew him. That, can, can we know who this is? Uh, pro- I don't want to share it. I didn't tell him I was going to mention it. Okay, no problem. <laughs> and he's a pastor now, so he became a pastor later. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. After a bunch of stuff. Good exits. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Um, what would you inspire a current business owner in our community to just keep on going? I think it goes to, for me, it would be the which business, but also just, I think in my, my line of work, talking to all kinds of businesses and brands and everything is don't be afraid to try new things. You know, Smart. don't be, don't be afraid to step out of what you think is your comfort zone. Um, just to see the, the ripple effect. I mean, look at your guys' screens and put within mm. something totally new. You, you stepped out, offered it, and it was a huge success. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I actually did not hear the question. Oh, that's okay. 
what, somewhere else. That's fine. Uh, what would you say to encourage a business owner in our community that's already going to keep on going? What would you do to inspire them, say? If they're going well, I mean, I just, I like repetition. I love repeating. Hey, this model works. We do Kaizen, though, at Gravity Jack, where we're like, mm. we sit and we still, we do a post-mortem on every single project. And probably a bad name for it. But <laughs> the we, team hates that. Yeah, well, we have deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. <laughs> literally. Uh, so we just talk about it. Like, hey, was there anywhere we could improve? Is there anywhere? And so we just constantly kind of do microscopic change. And if that change didn't work, we, we swing back. Um, but it, it's really produced some amazing sets of processes and that they're repeatable. Um, That's cool. Good point. Simple advice from your experience that you would give a current or future business owner in a region. Simple advice. Hmm. We don't have to have an answer. I know so many things that came to mind. I don't know why this came to mind, but it would be don't, don't be afraid to acknowledge your mess ups. Oh, smart. You know, a lot of people are so afraid of failure, afraid to, you know, oh, just don't talk about it. That's, you're human. Yeah. So, you're going to make mistakes to your team to you know whatever if we you will make mistakes just own them and do it with kindness and 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 honor yeah good point yeah i like to actually model that with our team too because then it's like okay i don't you know he makes a mistake it's safe to make a mistake um if you this is kind of our methodology we like to hire like really hyper intelligent people that I consider racehorses in the space that they're in. So they run and it's inevitability that they're going to uh, stub their toe or knock something over. It just happens because yeah. they run. So, and I don't want to remove that capability, you know, you just let the racehorse run and, but they need to be able to know, Hey, sometimes I'm going to mess up. And when you model that, there's a safety there and everybody's like, okay, let's move on. We got to get around it. Got to fix it. Whatever. Yeah. We have it in our team culture that, um, it's it's you're allowed to fail yeah and and the biggest thing is uh, well we talked about it before the podcast started that perfection is the killer of progress Mm -hmm. that's a theme that keeps coming up across the podcast um but if if my team um won't try new things because they're afraid that if they try it they're going to get you know um dinged or reprimanded because they did something they weren't told to is sick and wrong I think people need to have the ability to create and do things on the clock, on company time that will open doors for new ideas. And it's worked 100% of the time. And then the other side of that is if they saw an opportunity to do something better and didn't ask permission and went and did it, and it was a success, no one's going to say anything. (laughs) But what if it's a failure because they actually tried it? And I will ask for them to explain it. I want to know why you thought that was okay. Because there could be a new idea that comes from that, but it is a hundred percent okay to fail. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. to fail. Failure is an option. Fit, no, failure is inevitable. Success is an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> um, so this is the fun part of the podcast. Let's get personal. Um, what do you love most about Spokane? For me, again, it goes back to the the just diverseness of it. That you have all four seasons that you can bike outside in the summer, you play in the lakes, you know, in the winter, you're, you, they, what do we have like five mountains within an hour drive. So we can ski, we snowboard, ice skate on the lakes. Uh, and also it's, it forces you to seize the moment mm. because it's, you know, you, you never know what the heck's going to happen here. Like 
go out in the morning to do a wakeboard run. If it's sunny, you better do it because tomorrow it might be raining in the middle yeah. of July. Like you have no idea. So I, that's just, I love the, the opportunities and the options and the variety of, of what our area brings. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That's literally it for me. I mean, cool. I love the four seasons. Uh, I love that you don't know some winters you're going to get 72 inches in one night and you know, some not, no snow at all. It's just uh, it's just awesome. Keeps us keeps us guessing. Yeah, I even I even like I even look at kind of how our downtowns change and some of those things. And I'm like, okay, this is an opportunity. And not necessarily just for how they're doing it, because they're doing it in the same systemic messed up way. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're not creating change. So how do you create change? You know, it's not just building more houses. So I, I believe there's actually solves for that. Yeah. Uh, like business solves. And so it's really an opportunity, even though there's this crushing element of the drug use and the homelessness. Uh, like, man, we could step up and do something really unique that nobody's done. Is that an invitation? Yeah. Well, I've, it's, I've got thoughts on it, but that's project four. That's episode, <laughs> that's episode 21. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually it's a good name for the project. And then on episode 21, we're talking about it. Review it. Yeah. I better write that down. <laughs> Um, favorite place to eat in Spokane, or maybe Coeur d'Alene too. Wow, that's tricky. He's, could I say he's gluten free? It's too late. Oh, yeah. He's gluten. Free. He's allergic to gluten, so it's changed where we can absolutely eat and what we can do. So uh, for me now, when it's places we can go together, I'd say Wild Sage. Smart. It's delicious. So good, and it's safe for him. And so for like the wife heart of me. <laughs> I want somewhere where he can go get good food. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That place. I'm just going to, yeah, Wild Sage. Sweet. Yeah. And the Coeur d'Alene one is, I do like Syringa for sushi. What's the really yummy one the kids got us? A Honey? No, the one that goes downstairs. It'll, it'll hit me. It downstairs in a, in a. It's like a wine cellar downstairs. It used to be the one we used to go to with like. Mm-hmm. It'll hit me. Yeah. I should know the name. No worries. <laughs> Wild Sage, though, that's, uh, I think you're the third guest that's brought that up. Really? Yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. cool. Um, gluten-free. So, like, you you will be hurting if... Um, Seasoning. Interesting. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. So, if... if I have if, a Band-Aid that has gluten in it, which they, like, ooh. about half of them do, it'll, like, swelter up and... Bummer. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's... But I'm not. I mean, yeah. the gluten-free <laughs> options yeah. are actually really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's a good um, time. So, if somebody's cooking something that's contaminated with gluten, you're going to feel it. Oh, yeah. 100%. So is Wild Sage 100% gluten-free? They yeah. cook separate, though. Oh. So I, um, we did a lot of work in the restaurant world in the past 10 years, and I know every chef is very conscious of that. If you say, I have celiac, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't have gluten. Can you make me something other than a salad? They'll point out on the menu what they can do, and then they go tell the chef, mm-hmm. um, there's we, still a lot of, they try very It's hard a lot of learning. Well, there's still a lot of people who, when you don't appreciate a real allergy. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff happens. I know. You're it's, like, you're fine. They'll be fine. You're it's like, not no, true. No. No. It's not true. It's really bad. <laughs> My wife has done a lot of cooking for gluten-free because we had someone that was celiac in our life. And it was really interesting. I, I thought she was being like freakishly paranoid. Mm-hmm. But she she never slipped, and those good on her. They, those people kept coming back when we invited them because they didn't get sick when they left. It was, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Might have to have you over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gluten free. I mean. He's like, I'm sick. 
Um, favorite coffee shop? I like Terra. Big fan. Where's that at? Uh, there's some Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene area, T-E-R-R-A. Good people. Good vibes. Love it. I'm going to scope that out. I do not drink coffee. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drink caffeine. <laughs> Energy drinks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not it's okay. Every wife does yeah. that. <laughs> I have a very strong fascination with energy drinks. I do have a dream that one day I'll own a coffee shop and inside of it will be an energy drink bar. Mm. We're going to have syrups that are custom made by chefs to palate with um, Red Bull Monster. Oh yeah, it's going to be dope. So My little brother is, is an attorney down in California and they did a class action suit against an energy Monster. drink yeah. and won. <laughs> Because of the damages it did, particularly to young young twenty somethings. You can probably well, no. How many did they have a day when they were twenty something and young? Yeah. It doesn't matter. And they were it drinking with alcohol. Like they're like literally <laughs> slamming no. monsters with you I don't know, know if the shots. case had the alcohol aspect to it. It was yeah. Still there was a class action lawsuit yeah. and they won. And they won. I mean they actually proved it's no, pretty dangerous. They proved to a jury. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. If if they would have put on the can that it could be harmful to, like they do it with pregnancy, women that are pregnant, right, with alcohol. That's probably all that's going to come out of it. Yeah. They pay a bunch of money and they have to put a label like, caution, contents are hot. You know, like that's that came out of a lawsuit. <laughs> well, when you have hack dads like me that think Red Bull is tasty, I'm not going to stop my son from drinking it. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Sorry. I know I pick us, <laughs> I pick him up for my son in the morning. <laughs> He's 18. He's like, Dad, did you get me a monster? <laughs> no, not monster. You, monster's not a brand. Yeah, he anymore. does. He does bang. And yeah. yeah. Anyway. Do we need to have a podcast about monster energy yeah. drinks? I will opt out of that <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> Rock stars. I just call them monsters because it's habit. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're in the C4. Um, did you see they're doing them with Skittles and yeah. they're, they're cross-branding? Oh, I think probably good. Swedish Fish, the ghost ones. There's a Swedish Fish, yeah. Sour Patch Kids. I love collaboration. It makes me want to drink the crappiest energy drinks you oh, can find. I want to try a Skittles one. That sounds really good. I know. <laughs> well, um, we're having another episode together. It, it has to happen. There's so much to unpack with. So the, we'll just be slamming it. There's just a bunch I'm bringing C4 Skittles. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, what will be your drink of choice when we... Yeah. I, well, the problem, I like them. I think they taste great. But to drink them like on the daily, no way. Yeah. Like I'll have one every once in a while. But We, we walk over to Dutch Bros once in a while and everybody orders a coffee and I'll get... Um, I get my uh, Red Bull Peach... Italian soda, so good, amazing, but Sounds it could like be so kids. much better at the Energy Vault, coming soon to Spokane. <laughs> the Energy Vault. <laughs> they actually have one out at, um, at the Spokane Tribe by the Northern Quest Casino, uh-huh. I don't know, the gas station there. I've had this idea, I've been telling my son we need to do this whenever we can make it happen. we got to do an energy drink bar, and of course he's all in because dad said it's cool. <laughs> That's right? a great idea. Thank you. Because... <laughs> Like, when you get people like work to go to a coffee shop, he hates coffee shops. But an energy drink bar, oh, go. Yeah. Told. yeah, every day of the week, literally. <laughs> we should be partners. Mm-hmm. Let's do That's it. It's a really good idea. Actually, it, a coffee, instead of a coffee stand, it's an energy bar. Yeah. So I, I had this idea calling it the energy vault, and it would be like those walk in beer coolers. So when you walk into our energy drink bar, 
it's like 30 degrees. It's like instant AC. It's the coolest thing ever. See where I'm going with this? <laughs> and so you don't want to stand around in there forever. You make up your mind. You get your, get your drink and, and you get move out. on. Yeah. yeah. You know, churn. And then I was thinking we could do something with square keg where you actually, you can um, get the syrup to have bubbles in it or something. I don't know. Oh. There, there could be all kinds of things, but a chef has to palate it. You have to have a chef that will drink an energy drink and taste it and then put what's going to work with it. Okay. Anyway, that's good. <laughs> uh, favorite activity in Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. I think we pretty much covered that, but yeah. I, I like mountain biking, road biking and snowboarding and surfing and wakeboarding. <laughs> oh, and what wasn't, what else? Wake, oh, I'm like, and there's some hiking is good too. And <laughs> anything outside. Love it. All those things. Yeah. That's to get the four seasons. So you get every type of boarding you can do. And well, last night we were going to go to a concert and it was blowing and smoky and Carrie's like, hey, let's just drive up to Mount Spokane and watch sunset. I haven't had that much fun in a long time. <laughs> oh, that's it awesome. was super fun. They, they have the new chairlift up there that faces mm-hmm. uh, west. So you can see the mountain range off in the distance. Oh, that's cool. And the smoke had a little haze. It was just something fun to do. That's yeah. cool. Where else are you going to do that? Good idea. Yeah. Family date night. Just saying. Any, any books you've read between the two of you, both of you, whatever, that might help somebody keep on going? I just recently read the book Kingdom Economics. It's by Brett Johnson. Uh, and I actually then met the author because um, that's just so fascinating. Uh, and for me, it's impactful because it's like, what is what did economics look like, you know? long time ago what does it look like for the muslims what does it look like you know, what's it supposed to look like uh and it just changes the way you think about systems and how they revolve and how that should work and you think about like how wealthy the muslims are a muslim will spend with another muslim uh 12 times before that dollar will leave the muslim community interesting and it's uh 11 times with the Jewish community. I always get the stats mixed up. Seven times with the Mormon community. And uh, so one-to-one with Christians and every other faith. So, but there, there's, and you can see like there's the levels of wealth are actually associated with how they operate their economical systems. And what if you apply that to everybody? What if you do actually apply these same systems and mechanisms into, so I, I think it's super fascinating. Yeah, and it'll change the way you look at money. I was just going to say when you started talking about it, it's like we—I mean, anyone in business realizes that money is secondary. You got to put the service first, mm-hmm. and then there's reward in the service, and then money is how you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's—I love that. Yeah, I'm going to read Brad's that. An one. Awesome dude, he's so awesome. Yeah, he's South African, and uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I love the perspective with that. That's going to be cool. I, I'm drawing an absolute complete blank. I love it. I don't know. I, see, I just was thinking of all of the fiction books. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cringy. What's that first Lee Harden book? Because that's really good. See, I don't know any of the names. No, I the very first one. It's like. I don't know the names. I don't know names of actors very often, authors. I, I'll read a 16 it's book It's a zombie book she's reading. Gotcha. <laughs> well, okay. So is, that's your passion. Does that like free you up to do things in business that you wouldn't have done if you didn't read those things? I just think it's fun. It's like instead of watching a movie, you read a book, you know. Entertains the brain. Yeah, exactly. Augmented reality. (laughs) 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 I love it. 
Well, guys, thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you. it. This it's is awesome. Fun. We definitely have to do a podcast soon. I think there's more to this story that is going to be super fascinating. Maybe just because I'm interested, but usually if I'm interested in something, everybody else wants to be interested. I don't know. I'm not bragging or anything, but is it, you know what I mean? I'm curious about the same thing. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, what you're, what you're doing is so important in so many different ways. And the fact that you have knowledge and interest in web three blockchain technology, things like mm-hmm. that is super important. And I think it's the most under spoken thing thing because that's all I know. That's how shallow this is in my mind currently. And it shouldn't be mm-hmm. so up and coming. <laughs> well, to all your listeners, thank you so much for staying with us this long. I, I think our episode is a little longer than usual. And so we're going to have another podcast with, <laughs> with, with Luke and Jen Ritchie. Um, but I appreciate you staying to the end. I hope there's some value that you gained from this. I know there was for me. I'm sure there will be for you. If you have any questions or things that we need to talk about, um, please let us know. We have the connections to get it done. All you have to do is hit us up at podcast at BTSNW. And before we go, where can we find Gravity Jack? Gravityjack.com. Head to our website. Super simple. Head there. (laughs) And maybe try a Google search. You'll be surprised what you find. It's super cool. Good. Lots of cool information. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it was all good. Nice. I didn't put a filter on it either. (laughs) (laughs) Only the good stuff bubbled. There's only good things. (laughs) Right on. Well, thanks for being with us, guys. Thanks for everybody listening. Uh, Catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Dor. Thank you. Right on.